Welcome to Stirring Faith with Cherry Strange, formerly the She Yearns podcast. Thank you for joining me today. Stirring Faith aims to lead women to desire more of God in their everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Now, let's get started. Welcome to the podcast. It has been a tumultuous couple of weeks since we last met. We've experienced a holiday in between the broadcast and a lot has gone on in the country that has raised the temperature for all the right reasons. Because of the events in Minneapolis between some police and a person who did not deserve to be treated the way he was treated ended up in death with people looking on unmoved. It was sickening. And because that event built upon another recent murder of a jogger We have had a series of conversations at our house with our teen boys that a parent should not have to have. These are difficult issues that need a spiritual remedy. And I I do not propose solutions here, but I am living as part of it as we are raising a generation from three different continents and three different races, all living in harmony under the same roof. Gospel living is the call to difficult roles and harrowing feats. It requires Christians to hear what God would have us do in the impossible nature of it and respond by doing it. We are not those who shrink back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and preserve their souls. I was just dialoguing this week with a dear friend who's doing just this, and she was catching me up on some difficulties they've been experiencing she had not told me about, And these were serious, life-shattering, family-destroying stressors. They have invited in by God's design. And she said, this liked to destroy me, and I didn't know if we were going to make it through. How did you get through those times? And I loved her question because it wasn't, have you ever gone through the darkness, but how have you come through on the other side? What this told me was that she knows there's joy in the hard things. It's just hard to find sometimes. Because... My Facebook is blowing up with all sorts of negativity and questions without solutions that all point back to gospel issues. I believe today is a good time to focus on some steps for finding joy in the hard places. The first step is that we need to recognize we're called to some things that are just hard. Some things are just hard. It's not going away. You may continue to hurt. Relationships may stay rocky. Brokenness may remain. The blind may not see. My daughter, who has all sorts of deficiencies and disorders, will have all of her difficulties until heaven. It doesn't mean we give up. It's a recognition that hard is part of the deal for gospel purposes, greater than ourselves. James 1 tells us to count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It doesn't say ignore it. It says let it have its full effect. You know, yesterday was supposed to be graduation day for this special needs daughter. It was scheduled, then it was rescheduled because of COVID-19, and then because the governor freed up some things and allowed us to do it outside, it got moved to last night, and then it was rained out. (laughs) We sat in the parking lot in the middle of a storm for an hour. I honestly can't believe we're even in this spot. To think of where we've come to this point with her is truly a work of God. We picked up this scrawny little 40-pound nine-year-old 
who had never been schooled with poor language skills with a list of she can'ts a mile long in the backwoods of China, all sorts of weird issues that we learned daily, and no mental retrieval system. Like, you know, you learn your ABCs, you learn Apple is different from rock, <laughs> all those kind of things, and you learn them in categories. But it was apparent that she was not learning anything, nothing. No language, not how to put her clothes on, not fork over spoon. It was bizarre. But I had just finished a PhD and spent many, many hours in learning theory. So this was kind of making a lot of sense to me. And finally one day, I'd, I'd been working with her for days and days and days. And, and finally I came to Chad and said, I don't think she knows how to file anything. I don't think there's a system in her brain that's making any sense of anything. And I think that might be the problem. And it was really a game changer. So you don't learn, you don't go to class for that. That's supposed to be automatic in your brain. But it wasn't for her. And so we just had to listen to God and let him just kind of teach us what to do. And that began to be how we worked with her. Over the years, God has just had to defy everything that came at us to demonstrate what we really needed to do with her, whether it was research or therapy or encouragement, because uh, we just kind of had to rely on him for how to work with her because it just didn't make sense. And so um, even, our, even our friends and family didn't always know how to respond to us or um, understand how to be encouraging. And so uh, I learned to keep silent. But I don't think this particular situation is, is unique. I think anytime you choose to do hard things that a lot of people are not gonna do, you're gonna face the same situation. It's just, it becomes a lonely journey that is absent of joy. And I think one of the most therapeutic pieces of scripture for me is Paul late in his life saying to Timothy in his second book and late in chapter four, at my first offense, no one came to stand by me, but all deserted me. May it not be charged against them. And you think, where was everybody? Why wasn't anybody there? And it doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's Paul. It's not early in his life. It's late. Knowing that there are times in the journey that we will experience loneliness. When those who we feel should have been there are not. When there is no one else who gets it. Maturity in the hard places says, it's okay. Let it not be counted against them. And I haven't always been there. I've been sort of waving the flag and saying, where were you? Why weren't you there? You should have been there for me. But maturity says, let it not be charged against them. But this reality is not without hope because Paul doesn't end it there and doesn't end joylessly. Even in a season when people may not be there for you, you will not be alone. There is hope. Right after that statement, this is the assurance we have from Paul. He says, But the Lord stood by me and strengthened me so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. You see, God was there. He never left. He was always there. And he came through for him. He stood there and he strengthened him. And God has always been there just like that in my life. He will be there for you. The Lord will stand by you and strengthen you. There could be a time when you're alone, but the Lord will be with you over and over. Example after example, we find this to be true across the whole word of God. But I pray 
that God will grant you physical encouragement of some sort. Step number two is not to go it alone, if at all possible. I always encourage people to find someone at least 10 years ahead of them, preferably that you could meet with. Maybe, if not in years and experience, pick their brains, make sure that they're godly, imperfect, Jesus-pursuing, hard-thing doers with some tire marks on them. Those are the people you're looking for. This is not the moment to look at a peer unless they've been doing what we need to know how to do for at least more than five years. But Now, this is a strangeism. That's not in scripture or anything. This is just a, a recommendation I would give to you. Maybe you can't find that person physically. There might be a season where there isn't anyone. The world is in your hands, literally. Ask God to show you what to do and who to trust with your life. He knows what you need, and He will lead you to whom you need to entrust yourself to. So uh, try not to go it alone. That's the step number two. Step number three is to find strength in the Lord. We already kind of visited that, that He will strengthen you, but you want to be active in this pursuit every single day. Right now, you might be in a dark place. You might be tired, and you don't have the strength to find strength in the Lord. Maybe there's not any laughter or joy to speak of. You know, we went through some of the darkest years of our lives living out God's call in this particular hard space, and so did uh, our other kids at the time. But daily, this is how I find joy. Every day, I take myself to a quiet place. I lay all of my junk out, my requests, my thoughts, my thank yous, because there is always something to be thankful for. And I lay it before Him. And I have Scripture written down because my own words are going to fail me. And then I read the Bible every single day. It's not always life-shattering, and it's not always a show-me-your-glory kind of moment. It sounds like it might not make a difference on a day-to-day basis, but this is where my strength is found. It's like throwing mud at a chain-link fence. Every day, a little more sticks. It's not automatic transformation. It's little by little, eventual, effectual change. Number four is to read dead people. (laughs) Over and over, year after year, day after day, crisis upon crisis, God has met me on a page through the life well lived. It's one thing to write a book, hold a position, have a platform that is commanding and influential where people look to you for biblical counsel, wisdom, and direction in your lifetime. But how often have we witnessed the fallen, those you never would have expected suddenly in the headlines for scandalous sin? It's tragic and true. Not so with the dead, people who lived imperfectly but served God faithfully and finished well. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm striving for for myself, but I'm not there yet. Those are the ones to read. Those ones who have already gone to the grave and learned from and be encouraged by. And there's so many testimonies missed. Lessons still relevant today from 300 years ago or more. So get yourself in a book. Be encouraged. Find your joy and camaraderie with those lining the walkways of heaven, cheering for you until your entry, leading you in with what we will address in this last step. Step number five, let agape win. The celebrating season for me has been a little weird, but if I were honest, I really haven't been in a celebratory mood. (laughs) It's been a difficult year with this one that we're celebrating, 
In fact, my mother and I were talking recently, and she asked me what they should give to the graduation girl, and I didn't have anything to offer. I said, right now, nothing. <laughs> it's the same cycle over and over again, same conversations again and again, that no one else encounters outside of our home, outside of these relationships, because it's just the nature of the beast, of the disorder that she possesses. It's, it's going to sound weird, but it's like this cute pet that sort of crawls into your lap purring but then suddenly and severely bites you and when you ask them about it they say it wasn't them <laughs> it's not their fault and to the point it's it's hard to let that kind of person get really close to you because that draws blood that kind of reaction and with the smile they'll deny it so and we all know that this condition is never going to change this year I'm just tired of getting bit and no one else ever gets bit but us. It's just us. And my mom uh, responded. She said, okay, well, we'll talk about it later because my mom knows we're indeed going to celebrate. We're going to celebrate big. Joy is going to overcome and agape will win. Agape is this love for another that is not dependent upon a feeling. It's that love of best interest. It's the love God showed us when he sent his son to die for us that we learn about in Romans 5a. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's also the kind of love God requires of us toward him and the greatest commandment from Deuteronomy 6.5. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all of your might. It's what I've come to know as the appropriate response for all God has done for me, yet that is not the end. It's also the love I am to show my neighbor. And that's where we are seeing the breakdown right now in America and in our homes and in our neighborhoods and across the globe. Sometimes loving God is much easier because he is so worthy of my affection and all of my devotion and more. But the cute pet that just bit my finger half to death for the 456th time this year, that one who will be with me till my dying breath, dependent upon me to give selflessly until eternity, unable to offer anything in return but bite after bite and denial upon denial of wrongdoing or guilt, that one is difficult to agape. And I realize this is us. This is what we do to God. He is agape, the very embodiment, yet I am unable to do it in the hard places of my life. By gritting my teeth and digging down a little deeper, it's nigh on impossible. Instead, I beg for God to supernaturally give this love through me to change whatever needs to be changed, transform whatever needs to be remade or undone, because I cannot agape in the hard places of my life by myself. So I stay on my knees daily, and I fail often. I have moments like those I expressed to you with my mom. I try not to make any major decisions in those moments or engage in cataclysmic relational altercations. But through the years, this is what I am learning. This is from In His Image by Jen Wilkins. Agape looks beyond what is typically valued as lovable and determines to love the unlovable even at great personal cost. It is most purely expressed when we give it to those from whom we have nothing to gain. When we show love to those who can do nothing for us, we reflect the love of God shown to us in Christ. So, here is the joy 
the joy is participating and demonstrating exactly this in the hard places of your life, in the society and day in which we live. By God's design, He has placed you in these situations, and by His grace, He is conforming you and molding you to navigate them to reflect the love we have received. There is method to the madness, even when it does not appear so. I don't know how this falls on you today. We are going to celebrate, and we're going to celebrate big this week in a stadium and then in a park. In our world, to see all that God has done across the past 12 years is nothing short of miraculous. He exceeds my expectations, even to the nitty-gritty, the details of life. So I am certain He is able to bring joy in the hard things that are in our world and even the hard things of your life as well. I am so glad you're here to do this with you, and I look forward to being with you again soon. Hey, thanks for tuning in to the Stirring Faith Podcast. We plan to release a new episode once a week. I would invite you to become a subscriber because it makes it so much easier to make sure you get it. Please remember, rate, review, and share the podcast. You're the one that makes the impact. And you never understand the difference your suggestion could make in the life of another person just by recommending and sharing the resource. So please pass along what you find here. Don't keep it to yourself. It's so easy to do. Post it from Spotify. so easy or put it in your stories i would personally be grateful and remember there's more truth saturated gospel centered spiritually insightful resources at your fingertips just go to www.sheyearns.com where you're going to find reading plans videos articles and other resources more than it's ever been before to help stir more desire for god into your everyday life i'm cherry strange it is always a pleasure to meet you here